here. <gasps> Suck Lords of Pain and welcome to the right side of the pond. It's Friday. Is it Friday? Are we doing this on Friday? It could be any day. I mean, it really depends, like, when Imp uh, is going to actually put us on the schedule. And indeed, if uh, Imp decides to put us on the schedule. I mean, to okay. be fair, days haven't really meant anything since about March in this country anyway. So who's counting? Or indeed any country. Well, quite. Well, a predictably disjointed introduction to the show. Uh, uh, we are, if you remember us or don't remember us, we are the right side of the pond. And we had a podcast on Lords of Pain, which I think is now called WrestlingHeadlines.com. Um, for seven years. Uh, between sort of the middle of 2013 to the end of 2019 so we went away for a year and the whole world turned to shit coincidence i think not (laughs) as soon as we stopped podcasting people ate bats and there was a whole virus thing and it all just went wrong does this mean our show is like the island in lost potentially the island in lost like our show what, as in, like, nobody knows what the hell's going on? Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same. <laughs> and there's a polar bear somewhere that never gets explained. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's strange to think, isn't it, that in many ways uh, everything's changed and then you kind of loosely keep up with uh, what's going on in the world of wrestling and you think, hmm, maybe things haven't really changed. I have got good authority that they haven't really. Uh, before we get into any of that, I'll just quickly sort of reintroduce us all. Uh, for those of you who uh, might sort of not be quite uh, remembering who, who we are. So uh, my name's Shinobi. Um, I was around about two years and then became very much part time. Um, over there, we've got Mav. Hello. Uh, in the corner there working the, uh, the, the the controls. And this is probably why it will never record. There's Mazza. Yeah. <laughs> what controls? I don't know. Let's see uh, if we get lucky comforting and uh then wrapped up shaking in the the corner of the room is the artist formerly known as plan although i i hasten i hasten to point out i do not dress like the artist formerly known as gold dust used to <laughs> not so sure about that <laughs> <laughs> i think if i'd have carried on watching wrestling for much longer i might have started <laughs> What have we what have we all been doing? I mean, I, I don't think any of us have been watching much wrestling this year. I think me and Maz have watched a bit. Yeah, I had a little run. I watched the Rumble because, you know, it's the Rumble and I'll always watch the Rumble no matter where I go. And uh, uh, watch Mania. And then I had a little run watching AEW uh, during my my run back at LOP at the, the beginning of lockdown. Uh, watched uh, Summer Sam. So I watched three, the big three. Uh, for WWE and a bit of AEW. I watched a bit of NXT, so I kind of watched NXT like up as far as their pre-Mania takeover, and maybe the takeover after that. Uh, and then I watched, I well basically I watched the Seth Rollins heel turn, so I just basically fast-forwarded all the Raws and only watched the Seth Rollins segments in some sort of bizarre missing plan scenario, I suspect. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag plan junior, everybody. <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I just thought it's time to embrace it. Um, 
And uh, so I watched the, the Sephiroth's Hill Turn and the whole him having his little stable around him. That was all quite interesting. I quite enjoyed that. And then I, I watched the Alexa Bliss turning into Bray Wyatt's weird girlfriend stuff because, again, that just happened to, to catch my interest. I've learned more about what's happened in wrestling this last year from Mav's uh, recap there than I think I have um, on my own terms. I have established a very tight um, net of muted words and blocked topics on Twitter, so nothing really filters through very much. So I've, I think I watched... I watched the Seth Rollins Kevin Owens match at WrestleMania, which I think I did at Mazza's behest, and that was that's it. That's literally all I've all I've seen all year. Although plan your um, supposedly watertight system for filtering out all wrestling, <laughs> it isn't very watertight. Not at uh, all. <laughs> <laughs> the Twitter algorithm has other ideas for you. Not in fact, just today I was having to tell it that I wasn't interested in in the Miz and Randy Orton when they were trending apparently so it, it yeah it's it's failed catastrophically it's it's a it's a brexit watertight security system i don't i, I don't feel think. like you think twitter's been designed specifically for you and you're getting pissed off with it when actually popular things will show up on your <laughs> yeah but <laughs> if, I, if trending, i tell regardless twitter, of what it is to, if i tell twitter i don't want to hear about raw why does then twitter decide oh well he doesn't want to hear about monday night raw but maybe he wants to hear about wwe monday night raw drives me nuts I mean, you've not been specific enough. Plan versus Twitter. The feud of the year, I think, we can safely assume. Guys, have I told you about my new job working for Twitter in the algorithm <laughs> department? <laughs> Quite a good gig. Maz and I have had a couple of conversations about how we can kind of manipulate the Twitter algorithm to make sure you're shown stuff that you appear to be triggered by. Um, <laughs> just trying to find inventive ways of showing you stuff that doesn't include the word wrestling. Hell in a Cell, Ladder Match, Roman Reigns, uh, Vince McMahon, any any of those, and see if we can sneak it through. Actually, so, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, you sent us your list of blocked terms, didn't you? That yeah, <laughs> and we forgot thinking, about how can we use this to our advantage? It has, it has since exponentially increased. <laughs> oh dear, exponential might be the uh, the uh, the words of the year. <laughs> so yeah, very fitting. So obviously appearing on a wrestling podcast is going to help your cause well not at all really but you know seven years i did seven years with mazza and that didn't put me off did it so it's it's par for the course really this was going to happen at some point so why not do it over christmas when people deserve a bit of a gift we probably should have done this gag from the beginning actually that just like all um you know wrestling uh people um we were retired but it would seem not permanently. Yeah, we've, well, we've gone. We've gone full Shawn Michaels on this. This, this is our Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Maz, will they let us on the plane? That's the question. Probably not. I, I wouldn't let us on a plane. <laughs> Let's see what Vince says about that. Like, you know, ground the plane. I, I wouldn't let us do. on a wrestling. Yeah, here I we hope are. they do. I, I need another. I need a bottle of milk, and I don't know how else I'm going to fund it as a, as a poor unemployed student. I'm pretty sure that um, in the entire time we did the pond, we probably earned about the amount of a pint of milk. <laughs> oh, great. We'll have to do a few more then. Um, I mean, we're kind of um, sort of skirting around getting into the meat of uh, of this year's podcast because. Um, there isn't any really. 
Um, but there must have been some things that have happened over the course of the year that we could talk about. I think shall we, we start. Shall, shall we start with the obvious one? The uh, the impact of the coronavirus on you know it, it's it's not there's no one it hasn't touched, and WWE in particular has been uh, front and center when it comes to. Um, interesting ways of coping with the pandemic, shall we I say? I mean, I'd, I'd I'd say from the from the off that when it sort of uh, first hit, there was all that um, talk uh, of uh, Vince trying to still hold WrestleMania in a yeah. in a full stadium with a full crowd. And when I sort of could see that on the the periphery of my not very watertight net of muted words, um, I uh, I was very thankful that I'd stepped away that when i did like very early on into my quote-unquote retirement uh you know i I was like i'm because i was flabbergasted not surprised really i don't think i don't think it really shocked me that vince would try something like that especially knowing you know how pally he is with the guy that's let it get so out of control in the states um but i was it was it was a signifier to me of the the kind of uh, ridiculousness that can permeate wrestling sometimes to the detriment of people and i was very thankful in the end you know they they didn't hold in front of a packed stadium though i'd have been it, interested to see whether anyone would have actually turned up it was oh, the most yeah it was the most vince thing and most predictably vince thing ever wasn't it because i, I sort of you know uh, not having a watertight net, unlike Plan. I was, I was, I was following this quite closely um, because it was just, it, it was just such a, a brilliantly deranged uh, Vince idea that he would just basically ignore um, everything that was happening in the world uh, to try and uh, and get WrestleMania, yeah, off the ground in Tampa as as had been planned. And in the end, Tampa had to say to him, "Look, we're going to cancel this if you don't." And obviously, they took the. Uh, the PR way out and they filmed it in the performance center. Um, and of course then people decided to annoy plan even more by coining the term cinematic wrestling <laughs> as, as a result of that. Um, so it, it, it was kind of like they took, they took their way out. And I think, you know, for a large part, WrestleMania seemed to have been quite well received, certainly better received than a lot of stuff that, that they've done over the past couple of years. But the fact that they, you know, managed to salvage such an enormous PR own goal is is something else. And but then, of course, you got the rest of the safety aspect of things, because, you know, wrestling is something which involves quite a lot of contact and breathing near other people. So there was a lot of stuff that came out in the weeks after WrestleMania about the the Raw and Smackdown tapings about how you know, basically there was no attention being paid to social distancing anywhere on the set. And, that you know, the whole thing was essentially being um, completely ignored. So, uh, I mean, as 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 uh, Joe said, very much following up on um, on Trump's lead there was Vince. I, mean, it was, I, I remember reading um, there were a couple of people who felt they had symptoms of it. I think um, The Miz was um, sort of a late dropout. And I think at that point it was, it became, that, that's sort of when sort of the tide began to turn on it. I mean, it, uh, the thing is that a lot of, um, I mean, elite sport, certainly in this country and all around the world, like the NBA and things like that, they've all managed to restart. Um, I'm not saying the WWE were kind of 
trailblazers in that but i think it has been shown that it can be done reasonably safely um but the, the, this idea that they they were just going to carry on regardless I, I i know that wwe see themselves as kind of being you know they feel they have a responsibility to keep going to, for, for the sake of the nation I, mean, I think back to to 9-11 and the way that they rather than cancelling the show um I think it was SmackDown was on Thursday night. They carried on, um, and they all made a big show of being there and and not being scared of of terrorism. And I don't know whether the, this this was sort of Vince's way of trying to convey to people that you know this isn't gonna, this isn't going to end everything. And I think he just very much he very much misread the room, didn't he? Well, they said that they gone. Um, I was just going to say that um, the I, I, it's it's about them presenting themselves you know it's it's that whole conversation sort of an, a, an exacerbated version of that or an amplified version of that whole conversation about we don't have an off season uh, isn't it yeah. you know with wwe particularly it's about uh, look how great we are look how much better we are than these the, than these sports over here because unlike these sports over here we just go all the time forever um and what's one of the interesting sort of things that's happened for me over the course of last year as i have stepped away it hasn't just been you know, the fact that there's the distance there from kind of the conversations that you have on wrestling podcasts and right back in columns and all that sort of, you know, um, system of being a fan. Um, but also being able to sort of see from a distance and with a slightly clearer view, the, the, the whole culture around wrestling, which operates in this sphere of excess in so many different ways, not many of which really are all that healthy. Uh, and that's and I've become convinced that, that that actually what we're talking about really drives at the heart of of one of those particularly um, bad ways that wrestling decides that if if it can do more of what it does than these other sports over here, uh, that's that can only invariably be a good thing, you know. And actually, the fact that wrestling, for instance, doesn't have an off season is not a good thing. Um, and the fact that they that the performers are on the road so much is not a good thing. And the fact that well, very early on when COVID hit, I was convinced that no wrestling organization should have been putting on shows. And But as you've said, uh, Shinobi, as the years gone on, we've seen actually sports are able to, you know, to, to put on games or put on shows um, with some relative amount of safety. And, and obviously wrestling has continued on for however long now, months and months, uh, with no, as far as I'm aware anyway, no real major kind of outbreak in any of these organizations. So they're obviously doing something right in that respect and more power to them for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that whole um, issue of, of Vince sort of carrying on. And, and you know, you, I mean, for example, for every uh, time that they decided to put SmackDown on after 9-11, which was probably a good thing, there was a time where they decided to carry on a pay-per-view after Owen Hart died in front of a live audience, which is not so good a thing. So um, it's uh, I'm glad that they've sort of uh, relinquished to moderation on this one and not try to just carry on on soldiering through because I dread to think what might have happened if they had been able to do that. And I think, you know, the other thing is to say is that their line that they were helping the country by giving them something to watch, which is what they said over WrestleMania weekend. Um, and essentially basically making the argument that filming Raw and SmackDown was just like filming a soap opera, which we all know it, it isn't really. Um, it, it's it's sort of it's that classic Vince thing of I'm doing this because it makes money uh, and I have 
you know, TV networks that have paid me loads of money to deliver this product. So I have to deliver this product. But he was giving this disingenuous explanation that he yeah. felt he owed it to uh, America to give or the world to give the world something to watch while they were indoors. And um, and that's the thing. It's just a, a fundamental dishonesty about it, isn't there? I think, yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely. It's, I'd be very wary of crediting Vince with any kind of um, uh, social <laughs> sense of social responsibility. You know, like I imagine, again, to go back to the example you cited, you know, about the 9-11 show, as, as awful as it sounds to say, I imagine that that was as much motivated for Vince uh, out of, you know, the, the the optics of still carrying on being the, the first major show after such a horrifying incident as it was about being a patriot and, and trying to rally. And, I, and I'm sure that, that was an element of it, but I'm saying that, you know, I'm sure as well that there was a, a, a corporate motivation there for him as well. To, to a certain degree, you'd expect it because he's a businessman, right? And he's not made the amount of money that he's made over the life that he's had for no reason at all. But in this case with COVID, like, like you were saying, I'd agree entirely. It was it was that sense of sort of martyrdom that they were that they were presenting themselves with that was a bit sickening, really. I think he's always going to do that, though. And, you know, I think it's probably a bit unfair to, to point it just at the money. I'm not saying the money's not a big part of it. Uh, as Plan said, he's a businessman, you know, but he, he's also someone that, that clearly, clearly, clearly loves what he does, you know. So I do think there are probably two sides of it. And it might be a bit of a stretch when he says these things. And WWE are notorious for for coming out with this and, and, you know, I think back to the Saudi stuff and, you know, the taking the stance that, yeah, this is, this is it. We want to be there in, in helping Saudi, you know, open up to the world and, you know, change, embrace change and stuff like that. Or until that all, till they kill the journalists and they, <laughs> they stopped with the propaganda and, you know, just got on with it. But, you know, Vince loves what he's doing, and he, he I, I genuinely believe he wants to deliver a, pro, a, a product for people to watch at, at those times. But you know, there is also the money money factor in there, and you know, he's always gonna, you know, I imagine Vince is the type of person that is, you know, not gonna wear a mask, is gonna go against everything to wear a mask until he's actually told that he can't do it. He's gonna do it. You know, I think, I mean, he probably will still <laughs> do it even after he's been told he can't. Um, but uh, I, you know, I I believed this before I even stepped to was even thinking of stepping away from wrestling. Um, but I'm I, you know, call me a cynic, but I'm pretty sure that if Vince could figure out a way to put on a wrestling show without actually having to put any wrestling on it. Um, he would do because he's his his you know his primary motivating factor is is making money. So it you know for me I think it starts and ends there quite frankly with him. It's I mean, that's backed up. I think that's massively backed up by what happened sort of later on in the summer isn't it with um the basically telling any of his talents who were using um, any sort of third party uh social media accounts to sort of monetize themselves that they had to sort of cease and desist or risk um or, or, or risk being terminated which is exactly what happened to Zelina Vega um and there were a couple of wrestlers who kind of took this up like using um, platforms like Twitch and uh, Patreon and uh, Cameo. Um, and I think there were one or two who used OnlyFans as well, um, whatever that is. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Was that like, that's more like in the 90s, though, isn't it? Like, you know, the old uh, China Playboy spreads and stuff. Like, 
I think the interesting thing about um, what the yeah, plants just to pick up plans last point about Vince and, and his his love or not of, of actually owning a wrestling company is that, you know, that's something that's evolved over the years, hasn't it? Because obviously from the very beginning of the WrestleMania era, there was the, the push to get celebrities on and to make it, you know, uh, an entertainment product that was more widely accessible to to casual viewers and obviously that's how he kind of made his money but it was still you know fundamentally a carny wrestling product for a a really really long time after that and i think you've really seen an acceleration in the last decade i suppose towards that you know that kind of um deranged vince kevin dunn vision of things and almost in a way having to have no fans in the building and shut them away in a Thunderdome or whatever the hell it was called is just another example of how um, of how kind of pro wrestling has moved away from its roots, at least within a kind of WWE um, system. And then to pick up on on Joe's point about third party stuff, um, you know, the, you've got that fundamental disconnect, haven't you, in the sense that they're still not directly WWE employees. They are um, independent contractors. And that's the sort of that's the, the, the contractual language which a lot of, of talents have taken issue with over the years is that, you know, they're not unionized. They're not protected, particularly. Um, they are you know, expected to act like employees, but they're technically um, independent contractors. And so. For a talent like Selena Vega, she was making far more money on Twitch than she made from Vince. So that's a very easy decision for her to make. OK, you want me to do one or the other? I'll do this thing that makes me the money. Um, for somebody like an Adam Cole, it's a little bit different because, you know, he's one of the top guys in NXT. And I dare say he's getting paid a decent wedge. So you know, that's a kind of, that's a bit more of a, um, that's a bit more of an issue for him. Apparently um, he had an exemption. Yeah, some, that's the other thing, isn't it? So, some talent's got exemptions. So obviously Xavier Woods, you know, they've let him go and present the World Video Games Championships or something or other. Um, so it's it's always one rule for jabronis and another rule for the top guys. And and again, that's that's a pretty consistent WWF, WWE read over many 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 years i mean the whole thing of hogan and warrior having their own planes while everybody else was like you know in some cattle truck somewhere in the 80s you know that's it's just another part of that cattle truck (laughs) (laughs) i think i I mean you're gonna look you get that everywhere right the one rule for some one rule for others i mean you know even in in sort of general work you will find i think that that plebs get treated differently to people who happens to be higher up on the ladder i think with with wwe um and actually i'd extend this out to all of professional wrestling really i think one of but, but wwe uh, are especially awful for this um in fact is that fair to extend it out i'm not sure it is 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 it it comes hand in hand with this with this horrible inhumane sense of ownership um in that that vince doesn't seem to want to stop at uh, making money for himself he wants to stop other people making money for themselves at the same time uh, and so it, it sort of becomes this you know i own everything that you do i own everything that you can make money from uh, you know in some cases i own your name um 
and it's and it's when you when you have that attitude uh and you couple it with just the all-consuming nature these people sacrifice their bodies they sacrifice their family life they sacrifice in many ways their lives um not speaking literally but sort of figuratively um you know that that for someone like Zelina Vega to be able to find that, that outlet which I imagine is is as much just the relief of having something away from that world that's her own as as, as it is about making money from it um and to be told you know you can't you can't do that is is it's i mean it's 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 a very draconian attitude to have and it's and it's not pleasant to think about i find and so you know more power to her if she stepped away and said okay well i'm you know i mean i don't want to over egg this but i do genuinely think that there is something very very nasty about vince's attitude towards ownership and the talents that work for him tied up in as you were saying Mav, the whole you know independent contractor but not really because you've still got to do what we say and you're not allowed to unionize business as well i've actually got the statement they released after this kind of went public and they i guess they felt the need to kind of try and clarify their position and it actually kind of it's slightly sinister in a way um they basically said much like disney and warner brothers wwe creates promotes and invests in its intellectual property i.e. the stage names of performers like The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Big E and Braun Strowman. It is the control and exploitation of these characters that allows WWE to drive revenue, which in turn enables the company to compensate performers at the highest level in the sports entertainment industry. Notwithstanding the contractual language, it is imperative for the success of our company to protect our greatest assets and establish partnerships with third parties on a company-wide basis rather than at the individual level which as a result will provide more value for all involved now to me that sounds like you can't have a you can't have the whole cake you've got to give us most of it and just have a slice of it well the the we should say for the sake of balance that um the the rumor that came out at the time was that basically WWE, having realised that that Twitch and Cameo and other things are actually quite lucrative, they were going to set up uh, their own channels and therefore wanted their talents available for their own channels rather than having individual ones, which is still controlling and horrible. And the idea that you know, for example, if an actor was in a film. You know, say you're Harrison Ford um, and you played Han Solo and now basically, you know, George Lucas owns you for the rest of your life. You would think it was absurd. So, you know, I'm not sure if their argument stands up to all that much scrutiny, to be honest. Um, no, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, and it's not a tough one. It, it, it's shit. You know, there's no two ways about it. You know, WWE should not be getting away with this thing, should not be getting away with it. But, you know, they've always, 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 and I think it's probably, you know, a big part of, uh, of our fandom uh, slipping away a bit in a way, but they've always struggled to balance, you know, real life and, and, and you know, cafe and shoot and stuff like that. They've never really got a, a total grip on it. So, you know, in their mind, you know, Braun Strowman is Braun Strowman and anything that Braun Strowman does is, you know, you know, it, it's like Mickey Mouse, but, you know, Mickey Mouse doesn't have someone playing them. The thing is, you this know, was probably it, all valid. This is probably all valid whilst, you know, they were touring and 
they're on the road 320 days a year and you know they they wanted their talents to be available but for some of these guys particularly guys like i mean selena vega's not really an in-ring talent is she so you'd think the bulk of her income before them would have come from feature, featuring on house shows and things like that and that that income dried up overnight and it's not it's not surprising that some of these guys decided well actually i've got to find something else to you know maintain my lifestyle or it, you know you don't even know if they could afford to 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 do what they were doing before then so it's, it's like the, the world just turned on its head this year completely wwe didn't adjust their their position on anything the rules stayed the same i think what i think that mazu was driving at something important there i think which is um and i and this i will talk about wrestling in general because it is true of the entire thing including with fans actually um is that uh the the line between the fiction that's spun in a wrestling show and the reality behind it uh has never really been all that well defined even in an age where you know you can read your spoilers and you've got you've got smart marks and you've got the internet and everything in between um how many times did we get caught up for example in conversations during Daniel Bryan's run at the end of 2013 about what was the point of the story and what was the company you know actually making a mistake and, and doing the performer over um and there was the, that didn't really change even even up until last last year when I was still watching you know you'd still get people having conversations that seemed to in different ways and to different um degrees not be able to really identify where the line was between where something started and where something ended. And actually, again, as I've stepped away, I've become a lot more sympathetic to some of the things that I remember CM Punk was saying when he walked out in 2014 and he went through that sort of period where, um, uh, you know, he was, he was, he became quite almost hostile towards wrestling. Um, and one of the things that he spoke about at the time was, um, you know how people go around backstage referring to one another by their character names rather than their their real names. Um, I don't know why that sticks out in my head, but I remember him him mentioning it, and I remember me reacting, kind of, "Well, don't you, you're just being ridiculous. You just don't like wrestling anymore." Um, and actually, you know, now I'm fully decompressing out of the bubble. You do you sort of think, well, it is a bit weird that people referred to Mark Calloway as Undertaker even when he wasn't playing the Undertaker, because to use Mav's analogy, you wouldn't find harrison ford being referred to by as han by you know any of his like carrie fisher or mark hamill or any of his or, or as indy by sean connery or something um and you know so so wrestling because of the nature of what it is uh, i think is always going to struggle with that element of uh where reality ends and, and the fiction begins and as a result it's going to bleed into issues um like and I agree with you, uh, Shinobi. I thought that what you read was sounded extremely sinister uh, about the exploitation of characters, because what they really mean is the exploitation of their employees who aren't really employees, is what they're really saying there. Um, and I and I and I don't think that's me being cynical. I think that that's just years and years of knowing how WWE operates, being able to see, you know, how they treat their 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 performers. Um, and so it, it leads to a situation in in sort of perhaps I, I mean I don't want to trivialize what I'm sure was was a stressful period for someone like uh, Zelina Vega, but something as simple as 
saying you can't have a Twitch account. And then on the other extreme, something like Montreal or something like when CM Punk walked out on the company and, and treatment that can destroy people's lives as well as their livelihoods. So I was just going to say that there are big extremes in this. And I, and I think that's where, you know, I can understand them saying no cameos, but all cameos have to be company things. But, you know, when you go and I, and I know, uh, you know, Woods is an exception here, but, you know, because Austin Creed has built up this, you know, following for his love of computer games, you know, and he undoubtedly has got some of his popularity in that channel because of, you know, the fact that he's his, who he's Xavier Woods. However, you know, he's good at something and people aren't sticking around because he's Xavier Woods. They're sticking around because he's built up, a, you know, a fantastic channel, you know, and I, I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do. And a lot of people have been shut down in that, whether it's AJ or, you know, or, you know, Paige has been very vocal about it. Zelina Vega with her, her Twitch stuff. And, you know, that's where a line needs to be drawn, you know, for, a WWE wrestler to open up a cameo and, you know, I, I can, I can kind of understand Vince's uh, stance on that. You know, you're just, you know, Virgil don't work for anymore, but Virgil's working low. So he can't really do anything for Virgil, but you know, if you're doing it while well, you're still working for me, you know, I'm still paying you. You shouldn't be getting money by going out and signing stuff as, you well, know, as your shoot name, but there's but a big can... difference between both ends of the spectrum. The thing is, though, even in even in situations like that, right, and even to again to use the Zelina Vega example, um, it comes back to what I was saying earlier in that for Vince, it's not enough that he's making money. He needs to make sure yeah. that the people he employs don't make money on their own on their own as well, because it's not a binary choice, is it? You know, if Zelina Vega starts her Twitch takes off, becomes the most famous Twitch in the whole world, makes it shed loads of money that's not going to stop people watching wwe who are watching wwe it's not going to stop people who pay wwe their money for whatever it might be whether it's network subscriptions or merchandise or dvds or whatever um and the same with with cameos and stuff you know so it's the fact that what he's doing is he's saying you know you work for me so not only do you have to accept the terms of your employment with me in which i might pay you you know a pittance for for the lower paid performers and never let you actually perform at the same time not only are you going to have to accept that you're also going to have to accept that you're not allowed to go away and make your own money as a side venture regardless of whether it's detrimental to wwe or not so it's again it's it's about ownership yeah and it's fun, one of the fundamental things about pro wrestling uh, and and twitch actually is that first and foremost and i think as this is especially true now might not have been true in the 80s so much performers do this because they grew up watching it and because they love it and that's true of video games and that's true of of pro wrestling and vince knows in a way that he's got them over a barrel because if it's your dream to have got to the top of the mountains who have got to wwe which regardless of, 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 of what anybody might say, is still going to be the aim of, of anyone that starts, you know, a serious pro wrestling career. They're going to want to have got to WWE. And so you're going to want to stay with WWE once you're there, even if you're being, you know, not used very much or, you know, you're at the bottom of the card. People want to stay. And, and Vince is well aware of that. And I think the saddest thing about it is that people get into pro wrestling because they love it and they might end up like cm punk who was the biggest pro wrestling fan and grew to loathe it 
you know, in the space of the sort of, you know, however long he was with WWE, the seven, eight year span that he was with WWE, he he grew to loathe the thing that he loved. And, you know, people who start the Twitch channel because they just love interacting with, you know, with an audience and talking about video games and um, and playing video games and having a laugh. I'm thinking about like Dakota Kai, for example, as somebody that I don't think had a massive Twitch following, but somebody that was active on the platform, um, but is also a very promising pro wrestler. It, it's it's a really sad thing that they're deprived of that kind of enjoyment and that potentially, you know, their love of pro wrestling gets sucked away by how much of a control freak Vince is. And I think one of the things that's been most disturbing what's happened to WWE is that as Vince has got more and more, I mean, and let's be honest, he is basically Kurtz in the jungle at this point, um, just lying on a hammock saying the horror, the horror every time he, he sits the gorilla position of Raw. Um, it's got more and more controlling, but more and more out of control at the same time. It's just a, a really weird state of affairs. OK, uh, we'll uh, switch gears to borrow a well-worn frame from phrase <laughs> from Michael Cole. A- excellent, Joey, is it? <laughs> As is tradition. Hmm. Um, should we talk about something that we kind of, uh, I, I guess when we were um, close to the product and um, we were sort of commenting on each every week, this was something we kind of we, we wanted to see and we couldn't understand why it could never happen because it clearly wasn't working the other way. Uh, Roman Reigns, uh, he missed WrestleMania because he was actually battling leukemia. Everyone thought it might be because he was concerned about getting COVID, but which might actually, might actually have been a, a secondary reason. But he would say he went off to uh, to, to uh, deal with the medical condition came back uh i believe it was SummerSlam. speaking as somebody who hasn't been watching and is apparently <laughs> speaking to three people who also <laughs> weren't watching we'll go with SummerSlam, whatever um shaky on the facts um always good for our credibility Reigns returned at <laughs> SummerSlam on august the 23rd attacking the yes! Ray Wyatt and braun Strowman after their main event match for the universal championship citation 230 not at all shaky on the facts. So Reigns is back and um, came back as a heel, accompanied by uh, by Paul Heyman. So I, I don't suppose anyone's really seen much of, of what he's been up to. Um, I have. Uh, I followed this a bit. <laughs> I followed this a bit. So yeah, a uh, well, I, I think um, I think it's because his missus was pregnant. He actually because he was on the aftermath of obviously leukemia, and everyone thought he was being safe because of that. But I think his his missus was pregnant or something at the time, and that's why he missed mania, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, someone will correct us, I'm sure. Yeah, someone someone's listening that, that still watches it, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he he came back. Uh, what one came back attacked the fiend won the title so i, I didn't i've got my my timelines a bit confused so <clears throat> it came back had Heyman advocating for him and you know it wasn't a, a straight up heel turn quite so much but you know just the little bits here or there and he, he developed this 
chief of the family uh, character, which uh, r- resulted in Jay Jay Uso, Jay Uso, one of the Uso, Sean Uso. We'll call him Sean. <laughs> By the way. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's actually turned on his brother though, so I'm not sure you get the point. He is a, a single star, so I claim, <laughs> I claim victory for that prediction that I made every year for seven years. So it, it was it, it was the feud with Uso that that really you know cemented it and and you know stamped you know stamped the passport so to speak on his heel turn that everyone had been calling for since day one. And it was really, really, really well done in that, you know, Uso, because his brother was away, you know, won one of those. I think it was one of those um, beat the clock challenges and the winner gets a title shot. Uh, and he won that, got got a shot at, at Roman, got a shot at his cousin, who was in the midst of changing, you know, a bit, bit different, a bit more serious, you know, with Heyman you know, going to work for him. And it started out as one of those, oh, that's good, you, you know, you're going to challenge me. And it, it ended up as, you know, don't you even dare think about taking this spot because, you know, I'm the head of the family. And the match was fantastic. It, it, it's, uh, I guess it was the next pay-per-view or the pay-per-view after. I think it was Clash of Champions, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and they main evented it, and it was it was essentially this great piece of storytelling which you don't see very often from WWE, and you know, uh, in, in this day and age where it was you know very slow paced match, where Reigns just beat the living hell out of Uso, and the more Uso kicked out or tried to mount some offense, the more annoyed Reigns got that he would would dare you know even test his position as, as the head of the family did and he shout was, stay down he, he probably did shout stay down i can't imagine him but it was very much in that style uh, of that wrestlemania 27 match uh but with the added you know family thing whereas you know wrestlemania 27 was just triple h trying to you know, cerebral, cerebrally assassinate the streak. Uh, and whereas this was just, it, it was a fantastic watch. And uh, I know I've not recommended anything to you since WrestleMania, but that if there's one match that you should go back and watch, it's that one. You uh, recommended that match to me after you watched it. Uh, yeah, there you go. You know, I, I think if there's one match that you could go in isolation and watch and enjoy, uh, again, I think it'd be that one. So you know, I don't, I don't know if the rumble's gonna grip your attention or anything like that. But you know, if you ever do, I certainly recommend seeking that out. Um, apparently, I had a blind uh, of a follow up at Hell in the Cell as well. But you know, the result of it was Uso eventually fell in line, and you know, he he's carrying on that that you know that bloodline now as the chief of the uh, Anoy family and, you know, the big dog as well at the same time. And it, it's intriguing me from a distance and, you know, rumor has it that uh, a feud with Brian, a big feud with Brian's next on the horizon. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's bound to come sooner or later. Brian is, you know, 
that that face again now he's a face again in in the company you know it, it only makes sense that that happens at some point whether that happens uh through <laughs> through my eternal prediction of daniel bryan winning the royal rumble i don't know but bizarrely i think it's uh uh, my first one really away from it. It, it it might have a good chance now now he's you know not the hottest act in wrestling and he's a old man that pretty much picks and chooses when he when he wrestles i guess you know now he qualifies for a rumble win probably helps that he's been booked in the match doesn't it it always does <laughs> it's never stopped you hoping that old chestnut um it, it's, it's it has been um interesting to watch from a distance i think as well the fact that they booked him to actually, you know, to beat McIntyre in a champion v champion match at Survivor Series, kind of, um, it's kind of interesting because McIntyre's been booked incredibly strongly for about two years now. So that's a pretty significant vote of confidence in the the job that Reigns is doing because, you know, um, I mean, McIntyre had such a kind of dominant Rumble win and, you know, and obviously then beat Lesnar at WrestleMania. So, yeah, you kind of think, that's a, a big deal for Reigns to go over him in in that spot because they tried really hard to keep McIntyre strong, it would seem. So um, so that was interesting as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think, to be honest, the thing with Reigns was always that he didn't necessarily need to be a heel. He just needed, because actually, you know, he he showed, whenever he showed edge to his character as a single star, he was instantly more interesting. You know, do you remember after he had that awful match with The Undertaker, at WrestleMania, whatever the hell it was, 33. Um, and he came out to the ring the next night and it was the post-WrestleMania crowd and you just got a wall of boos and then he didn't say anything. He just let them boo. And he and I think he just said something like uh, point proven or something and just dropped the mic and walked out. Um, and, and that was the most interesting he'd ever been as a singles performer. And so whenever they've leaned into that side of him, it's it's been more interesting. It just seems like they they were so desperate for him to be the squeaky clean baby face, especially with knowing that Cena was going off to make Transformers films for the rest of time. Um, they seemed reluctant to allow that. But I think the fact that he went away during this whole Corona crisis maybe gave him the confidence to give him a run as a heel and, and more power to them for actually finally doing it. Well, I'm... I, I, I... I I'm, wouldn't agree with saying more power to them for finally actually doing it because this is this is precisely one of one of the many issues that I have, but one of the more prominent ones is they're stuck in a time loop. You know, if if and they have been now for years. If this was 2015, then sure I'd be all for what they're you know what I've heard that they're doing um, with Roman Reigns. But it's five years you know it's five years later. If if it was 2015 and Daniel Bryan was going to win the Royal Rumble and feud with the Reigns, then great, I'd be all for it. But in 2020, I couldn't care less. You know, and I know we're, we're sort of we're thinking that we might we might touch on the Undertaker, but uh, so I don't want to get too ahead of the game. But that's another example. You know, when I heard that the Undertaker had retired for the umpteenth time, it was like, well, if it was 10 years ago, you know, then I would have been emotional about it. If it was five years ago. I'd have said it's probably the right time. Now that it's 2020, don't care. I heard at one point, um, because uh, my best mate sort of still dips his toe into, doesn't watch it, but sort of into what's going on, um, and messaged me saying that there was a point where Randy Orton was WWE champion and the Miz was the money in the bank holder. (laughs) 
which is literally the end of 2010 and around the same point in 2010 that I heard it happened this year. That's 10 years ago. And this is endemic through their entire product. I mean, um, obviously, I can't really list anything from from this last year and I've slept many times since I was watching it. But I remember at the time that I stepped away time and time again, it was like they, they were just rehashing ideas. You know, I mean, I even remember joking on the show about how, you know, if you really wanted to become a main event star, you had to fail in the mid card and then five years later, come back and try your hat again. And then suddenly, I mean, isn't MVP back with them now as well? Um, and obviously Drew McIntyre is there as, as, as the champion and stuff. And they're just, you know, time and again, they just go through these loops um, and it's like they've got the well, they haven't got any ideas left. That's that's the problem. So I'm sure it's all sort of engaging for the people who are still um, watching. And it's nice, actually, to hear that perhaps Roman Reigns is finally getting the credit that he's long deserved um, as a as one of the better performers in the industry. And, you know, it's a little wearying. It has to come with a whole. Uh, well, we we said that he needed to turn heel uh, debate. Um which, like you say, Mav, it was it was never a case of him necessarily having to turn heel. It was just, uh, you know, allowing taking the taking the leash off him a little bit, um, and not trying to force him into the Cena shape when he quite clearly wasn't. Um, so that's all great, but yeah, I mean, if if and if it was happening two or three years ago, then then I'd have been all for it. But as it didn't happen, um. You know, I couldn't care less. And when I, I don't know how accurate this is, but when I heard that he'd come back with Paul Heyman, um, I thought, well, there you go. You know, they've not got not got Brock Lesnar anymore, so they'll just have another Brock Lesnar, which is even more infuriating when you think about the fact they could have done that from the very beginning, never even bothered with Brock Lesnar in the first bloody place, and half <laughs> the problems would have been averted completely. I have to say that the fact that Lesnar's gone is one thing that would actually tempt me to watch because. He was so much a part of of my problem with the product that, you know, when he lost to McIntyre and then didn't suddenly appear at SummerSlam and squash McIntyre and take his title back, which is what I, you know, thought might happen because it always does seem to happen. Um, And it seems like he's not going to go back to WWE. It was like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't solve all of the problems, but it, it, it kind of makes me more inclined to see what they're doing because I don't I'd, I'd rather watch Randy Orton or The Miz than Brock Lesnar any day well the thing is the, the Drew McIntyre so I, I I think I saw the men's rumble as well actually um, because I remember I remember being nonplussed by the fact that they put Lesnar in it um, even though the title wasn't on the line um, but I also remember thinking um, because didn't when they wrestled at Mania, at Mania, wasn't it just like one of those everyone hits their finisher and it's over in five minutes jobs? Um, yeah, which, yeah, it was. Which, you know, so again, it was like, I mean, I know that the, the Reigns-Lesnar thing is a little bit more complex, but it felt like, again, they were just rehashing that same idea with different players. I remember being very annoyed when Seth wrestled The Fiend in the cell, not because... Um, of the fact that it was obvious Seth was going to drop the title or anything like that, but because I remember seeing it and thinking, you know, it's just exactly they were just doing with the fiend what they'd done with Brock Lesnar, and this is what I was saying earlier. You know, is is it, they're just they go they're, they're in a loop, they're in a loop, they can't get out of it. It's just the same ideas rehashed with different people or old ideas that they should have pulled the trigger on five years ago, finally being done now when it's less interesting and less hot. 
Yeah, I think that that's the problem with the whole Reigns thing is as good as it seems and as fun as it is from a distance, you know, it, it hasn't made me get back into the product. It, it's it's too little too late. You've done this. And uh, what I really, really, you know, what really bugs me, and this goes back to Vince and control and, and everything like that, the fact that, you know, everyone's been telling him to do this for, you know, six, seven years, and he finally does it with no fans about to, to even, you know, react to it. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, and it, it's just bizarre that it seemed to happen without a second thought. You know, it's just so Vince. Speaking of things that uh, happened in front of no fans that you feel a bit sad that it, that it did in the end, uh, this year, we think, <laughs> saw the end of The Undertaker. <laughs> The reason I say I think is um, I was thinking this 11 years ago when I think I, it was something like my 12th column or something like that. And I was talking about um, how WWE could uh, facilitate the Undertaker's end game. Uh, and I think over the years, we've had a couple of opportunities to do it. We thought it was uh, it was happening um, during the once in a lifetime uh, match against Triple H. We were wrong. Um then the twice in a lifetime match at Triple H, wrong again. Uh, then when the streak ended at the hands of Brock Lesnar, wrong again. Um, Bray Wyatt had a go. Um, twice. I mean, why not? That was the thing, wasn't it? Well, I thought, yes. I thought it was going to be after the Reigns match just because he was so broken down, like so obviously just could not move anymore like that match was a an absolute atrocity you know not for any want of trying on Reigns's part but just Undertaker just 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 didn't have it anymore and there was that one really painful spot I think it was he was trying to do that thing where he turns something into a last rise and he's you just saw his hip buckle and it was just awful to watch um but then he he came back again after that but it wasn't that the match where he sort of folded up his hat and his yeah coat and folded his up gloves. his hat. He didn't eat it, did he? Oh, no, that's that's, that's <laughs> yes. your job. I need to. Can I just be the one to relish in telling Joey that the once in a lifetime thing was Rock and Cedar and not Triple H and Undertaker? Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Look. Listen, I've watched even less wrestling than you this year. <laughs> <laughs> the, the deepest of all ironies, isn't it? That Clive's yeah. tried to step away from wrestling and yet still... Yeah. <laughs> Joey out. Still watching more. He's made a big song and dance about how little he's watched and Joe even without, in that, without even in trying. That, that Rumble think, 2000 VHS in the player and that was all. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was It was after he wrestled Reigns that he folded his coat and his hat up and... and, and you know, middle of the ring, and then they did the thing where he went down on the lift into the stage rather than up, and it was all, you know. But they never, they never spoke of it as a retirement at the time, and so it was always kind of a bit. We assumed that he had, um, but to be honest, I mean, at that point for me, it was already sort of um, ten years too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, well, not quite ten years too late, but but it was because I was annoyed when. Because for me, it was the, the perfect the perfect moment would have been when him and Kane wrestled Bray and Luke Harper at Survivor Series. 
and they build it as the I, don't, I can't remember 25th I think it was at that point 25th, yeah. um, anniversary of the debut or whatever and they because they'd done an angle where uh, you know if you remember at Hell in a Cell the month before Braid sort of attacked the Undertaker after he wrestled Lesnar and carted him off and stuff and there was a sense of finality to that angle um, which came on the heels of his return at WrestleMania 31 which I thought was really handled quite well as kind of a, you know, he was he was kind of half dead man, half biker uh, again, uh, which came on the heels of having lost the streak the year before. So it felt like, you know, everything had wound to a perfect conclusion at that point. So I was most annoyed when they brought him back to wrestle Shane in that abomination at WrestleMania 32. Um, and I think you could tell then that, that, I mean, I thought you could, probably tell at the preceding Survivor Series, but certainly by the time WrestleMania 32 rolled around, he was looking slower, he was looking more out of shape. You know, you roll on another year, and like you say, Mav, not only did they wheel him out of WrestleMania that year, they wheeled him out of the Royal Rumble, and it was self-evident then that he shouldn't have been in the ring. Um, Then limped on a few more years with the Saudi Arabia uh, stuff. Um, And and the crazy thing is, Shinobi, you mentioned 2009. I remember writing, I don't know what it would have been after 2009, but I remember writing a column about his match with Edge at TLC that year. It wasn't, it was a TLC match. It was like Extreme Rules or something, where the stipulation was that if he lost, he got banished. um, And he lost. Um, And it sounds crazy now, but I remember writing that that would have been a perfect ending for him. And that was in 2008. And I think it's very easy to underestimate. I appreciate that not many people will agree with that, but I think it's very easy to underestimate or to forget even that for such a long time, uh, people spoke about how his body looked like it was wearing down. And I think what he did with Shawn Michaels and Triple H at WrestleMania kind of curbed that for longer than, than it should have ever been curbed. Because I even remember when he came back to wrestle CM Punk in 2009 and he was limping around then. Um, and it just went on and on and on for another ten years, which is which is nuts. And so I think it's easy to forget, you know, just just well, quite yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to forget just how um, how long it dragged on. So it was another instance, like we were, like I was saying with Reigns, where I heard um, that you know the Undertaker had officially retired until he until he officially unretires again. I'm sure, um, and I didn't care. You know, I didn't, I, and it was, and it's sad that I didn't care, but I didn't care because it was, again, you know, like I said earlier, if it had been five years before, um, it would have been perfect. If it had been five years before that, it would have been, you know, I'd have been emotional about it. But a couple of years before that, it would have felt like the right time. And instead, it just went on and on and on. And in some ways, was worse than what happened with Ric Flair. I mean, like the, the the really funny thing is that people that 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 watched wrestling in the early nineties. I remember saying to me, knowing that I watched, you know, saying to me in like 2000, 2001, like, oh, I caught five minutes of of, of WWF. Is The Undertaker still in it? Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that was in 2001. So, I, was, I mean, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, I remember when he... Um, the whole American... I thought he was done. confused the hell out of people. You know what I mean? I thought he was done. Um. Yeah. But and even then, he looks like he was, you know, he looked like he'd been patched up to some extent. I mean, Fat Undertaker was the best Undertaker in many ways, I, I kind of thought. Like, if you asked me to pick Undertaker matches to watch, I would, and again, hipster, all right, shoot me. But, but, but I would pick the American badass era Undertaker matches over 
you know anything that came before or afterwards mostly um just because it, it allowed him that freedom of character that he hadn't had so much certainly pre-2000 that he didn't have i mean um, I, d- I don't want us to sort of overrate it too much obviously he went on to have great matches you know in the late 2000s um and i've you know and i've been a big fan of the stuff he did at wrestlemania with sean and triple h in the past as well um and i really really enjoyed the the couple of matches he did with bray wyatt um but there's no denying that he overstayed his welcome by certainly by five years if not by more um and like you say mav these conversations about his his they kind of perverse again again you know they they became it, it it's the excess again you know it became the fact he was around for so long became something to celebrate rather than saying this is ridiculous the guy should retire you know he can't contribute to the level that he used to it's stupid that he turns up once a year and to you know in our defense we have been saying that but um you know again it was it was celebrating something that should have been questioned <laughs> Do you know what it was to me? It's trying to have him do these epics every single time where, you know, we, we talked earlier about these main events that are just a few finishes. That would have been perfect for The Undertaker, you know, later in his career. You know, I guess it's kind of what he did to Cena in, in that quick one. But, you know, they can't resist, you know, having to take go out there and doing, you know, 35 minutes of MMA in a cage with Shane McMahon. I mean, what though? <laughs> well, the thing <laughs> is, though, even, even if they did the finisher thing, that's, that's still that's a compromise you know and and wrestling needs to move beyond that it needs to stop compromising it needs to stop doing that and it needs to be a bit more brutal and say you can't go anymore to the level that you used to you know so actually you know we're not going to book you i mean didn't sting roll up in AEW recently you know it's 2020 nobody's given a shit about sting since 1997 this is the thing this is the thing about wrestling in general i mean certainly about 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 Vince and I think interestingly AEW despite all of their protests that they are ushering in a new door and almost every talent that is in a high position in the company has worked for WWE at some point in time and it, it what it is is this 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 terror that if the 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 sure things aren't there that you won't make money and why was the Undertaker on the WrestleMania bill every single year because he was the name that would draw money and the same with John Cena and the same with Triple H and the same with Shawn Michaels and you could go right on down the track because wrestling as we've talked about many many times moved away from um, embracing new stars that could you know take you to those those you know those heights and you might have to take you know a couple of years on the chin of, of building them to that point but along the way they lost the lesson of we lost hulk hogan but we gained we gained steve austin you know we lost steve austin but we gained john cena and and they 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 completely forgot that when you pass a torch it's that's meant to be it and then you rely on the next generation and they just lost the, the the faith and they relied on cena as their sort of top guy for so long supplementing him with all these part timers that you get this fossilized product and and that's why they kept rolling the undertaker up as a bag of bones every year was because they they didn't know what else to do they just lost all of that creativity that they used to have but fans I mean, need to the, the fans that are left um need to stop 
we were never i don't think of this ilk on on this show but but the fans that because you still you still you know you were still getting and i imagine it still goes on now um you know when i hear about sting rocking up or i think they aren't they using jake roberts in some kind of role as well and stuff like that um you know there's still a lot of old timers around AEW's products from what i can tell um and it may be that they're not headlining their big shows but they're still all over that product from what i've heard you know whether it's in managerial roles or whatever and what happens is you get these conversations about you know between fans and it happens with wwe as well where they begin to reason away why these guys are still around and you can you can understand the logic that 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 fans will use in in these kinds of conversations but really there's no reason why these guys these old times have to be on camera to teach new guys and if the argument about them being on camera is about bringing in, you know, new winning new fans or winning fans back, it's not going to win any new fans because any any new fans are going to be attracted to the nonsense wrestling that happens in the ring, not to the guys who actually knew what they were doing. And if it's going to win any old eyes back, those old eyes aren't going to stick around because there's a reason they're old eyes in the first place. And it's because either A, they've lost interest generally, or B, they, like me, saw what was happening with the actual wrestling and hated it. So you're not actually winning anything. You're just cluttering up your television with people nobody actually really wants to watch. Um, and with WWE, it was obviously particu- particularly um, problematic because of not only were the f- was the fact that they were rolling all these guys out, but they were putting them in these in these privileged positions. And when it became clear that they couldn't justify being in those privileged positions, they altered the nature of those positions so fundamentally um, that, as you've just said, Mav, you know, it fossilized everything, um, which has probably largely contributed as well to that sense of them that I keep saying that they're in a time loop and rehashing the same old ideas over and over again again um because there's there's nowhere to move on to i mean i think the, the other thing and we kind of sort of hinted earlier these guys spend all these years of dedicating their lives to it and wwe in particular won't let you kind of pursue anything outside of it so once it's gone what else do you do you just Wrestling, try and get in any yeah. other way it's it's become abundantly obvious to me since I stepped away this year, and this is just as a fan, so I imagine it's amplified to the power of a hundred with with actual wrestlers um, or you know agents or managers or whatever. Um, <clears throat> that wrestling encourages you know really obsessive behaviour. It dominates your life, um, whether that for a fan, whether that's sort of you know demanding how much that you watch. Um, or whether it's as a wrestler, like you, like you were just saying, Shinobi, uh, you know, you have to be there all the time, forever, constantly, without a break. Um, any with WWE, any other ventures are very quickly shut down unless you happen to be one of the very top um, stars there. Um, and even then, a lot of the time, they probably take some kind of, of percentage from stuff. Um, and so you sort of start to lose perspective um i think and certainly you know i mean even down to stuff like you hear all the stories about guys getting hazed when they first start and things and you kind of go that's that's you know carrying each getting the new guy to carry the bags or to fetch the water or whatever and you say what are you talking about you more wrestlers caught you know and then but when you're a fan it's like oh wrestlers caught that's really cool now i've stepped away i'm like that's absolutely fucking ridiculous are you children um and uh, I've totally lost what the point I was going to drive at is, but um, yeah, it's it's not the first time. No, <laughs> quite. <is> <laughs> um, it's um, yeah, it's so 
that's what I've that's all I've got to say about that. I think it's just the fact that um, the really the really bizarre thing is that someone like Undertaker has made an absolute truckload of money and could have stepped away 15 years ago and been comfortable for the rest of his life. So it isn't like he's not kept doing this because he needed a buck, you know, yeah. he, he kept doing it. Out, I mean, what was interesting is I think he said in that interview with Austin that he would have gone a lot quicker, but he felt a loyalty to Vince and that I was really interesting. Um, as Maz just falling off his chair. (laughs) But that was interesting in that he said he could have gone a lot lot earlier. And actually, when you look back, there aren't that many wrestlers that got out young and stayed out. Like, Michaels was one, but he came back. Foley was one, but he came back. I mean, really, like, probably Austin is the only one. And you you feel like even he would have come back if he medically had been able to do so. Just rock as well rocky yeah although again he still you know has has wrestled in the last five yeah, years yeah, it's a slightly different thing with the rock though isn't it yeah. because a lot of people wanted him because he was so young when he stepped away uh, two, i think wasn't he yeah so it was he's like i mean that. he did he did more in in by the time he was in his early 30s than most than you know most, well anyway yeah but i take your I, point I, I have no doubt that if his other ventures had failed he would have been right back, but he just so happens to be really, really good at everything he tries his hand at. Yeah, he. I mean, it's interesting actually because there was I was an in, I read an interview um, a while ago, must have been a while ago because it was one of those. It was in an actual physical magazine, so it, it, it must have been <laughs> must have been a little while ago now. But um, and it was saying that that the Rock's advisors basically were saying to him after he, you know, he's very successful in the first couple of films, then he around the kind of daddy daycare era, he had a bit of a nightmare and kept getting put in these like weird kids films. And his advisors were saying to him, and this must've been, I guess about 06 or 07, like you need to get back into wrestling because this isn't working out for you. And of course he proved them all wrong and became a, a proper film megastar. But I mean, there is an alternative timeline where around the time Jericho comes back, rock comes back as well. I mean, Jericho's another one, isn't he? He's going the same way now. I saw my mate sent me an image of him having turned back up in AEW or whatever, looking terribly out of shape and very, very old. Um, And he was getting, I mean, there were discussions about his work losing precision as much as four years ago. Um, You know, so he's another guy that's going to inevitably overstay as well. Coming like The Undertaker is another guy who doesn't need to. And it's going to take people saying no. It's going to take people saying no. Yeah. Right. The irony of Jericho is that is that he was that guy that had out. He did get out. You know, he's in a band. Yeah. He's, he's, he's very successful in his other ventures, and he still went back in. And he kind of started the whole podcast thing, didn't he? Like he was one of the very early ones to start doing that and start doing sort of cross promotional stuff as well. So it's it's yeah, it's it's one rule for him, one rule for for everybody else. But yeah, you're right. It, it is. I mean, he's one of those people who I think he he just loves to do it and he will continue to do it as long as his body lets him and as long as people keep hiring him. And that's the problem. Yep. It's nothing It's nothing to do with, you know, Chris Jericho pushing himself further. Than he, can. You know, he, he, he doesn't get injured. 
he he still gets books. He's still you know he, he's still a world champion. Why would he stop as long as he feels good? The problem is is that promoters keep going to him and saying, do you do you want to do you want to come and do this? Do you have a have a run, see what happens, and then well, this is this is where you, this is where I start to get um, and perhaps I'm a, I'm a lone voice on this um, uh, on the show. I don't know, but um, for me that's where I start to see or or I'll rephrase that that's how i struggle to see when i start struggling to see uh, how wrestling really has any kind of long-term future because if you stop which you should bringing guys like jericho back who know what they're doing what are you left with you're left with the kind of product that i saw AEW doing when i watched the first few shows and the first couple of pay-per-views in the ring you're left with the product that nxt was doing for a number of years in the ring which is stupid uh, there's no other word for it it's stupid it's dumb it's excessive um and obviously not enough to keep even the most ardent fans still watching wrestling um, because none of them really seem to know actually how to put on an intelligent wrestling match. Um, and certainly their idea of what wrestling can and should be is, is worlds away, worlds away from what it has been in the past and should continue to be. Um, I mean, you know, I, I spent many years, LOP saying that wrestling can mean anything, but that doesn't mean wrestling can be anything. It's still ultimately got to be what it is. Um, and the, the, the primary driving force in my decision to step away um, that is exclusively about wrestling is the actual wrestling with a small W. It's the stuff that goes on inside the ring, which just became intolerably stupid. Um, and so you, you call, you know, you, you call the stings and the Jerichos and the guys who, uh, I mean, Jericho's a weird one anyway because he's kind of decided to throw his lot in with these with these backyard wrestlers um, to be one of the cool kids. But you get rid of these guys who who know what they're doing, and you're left with you know guys who wrestle like they're in a video game, um, which has accelerated what has been a, a solid and um, unwavering downward trend in terms of the people watching wrestling that has happened really since you know Austin and Rock stepped away. Um, I hope Prime isn't going to sue me for for uh, for copyright here. Um, but um, you know, suddenly it's it's very difficult for me to see a, a long-term future for professional wrestling because it can't carry on. You know, it's not going to last um, for a particularly terrible long time if the the ring product continues to move to where it has been moving because it's just too stupid. But I think the problem is is that there's no there's no transition out of it. There's, there's no way for these guys to go, right, well, I did my 15 years of tumbling around a ring and my body hurts like fuck, but what else am I going to do? And I think that's, that's what I'm, I suppose the theme of this show has been that rest, you, it's, a, it's, it's a prison, isn't it? You can't, unless you are particularly talented at something and you had that ability all along, for example, you know, the rock was always destined to do something big um, with or with or without uh, WWE. Chris Jericho always had the outside interest so he could go out and do his band and sort of keep himself sane. Not many others get that opportunity. And so they end up kicking around not just WWE, but the industry in general until they literally fall apart. And all the while they're stopping people from coming through. They're stopping genuine change coming through. And in fact, all we seem to get now is imitations, pale imitations of what happened 20 years ago. Or should have happened 10 years ago. 
or what should have happened 10 years ago and you know you you said you you mentioned that that sort of class of 08 who were sort of kicking around again john morrison's another one who's who's rocked back up again um and you know four or five years ago you thought there was there was sort of a cohort of really exciting talented looking wrestlers who needed a, a guidance and instead of getting the guidance they just got shoved off tv because they wanted batista to have a a few hmm. matches or you know john oh john morrison's a free agent let's do a throwback with the miz it's like well who really wants to see that anymore yeah it's it, i think wrestling has become nostalgic for its own mediocrity which is you know a strong um early warning sign i think but i'd also say um the it's an it's a what you've just said shinobi is a major reason why i think wrestling does need to start reassessing the way it presents its product not just because we're in a streaming age now and the opportunities there but it needs an off season you know it needs not just for the health of the performers but actually i think for the perspective of everybody who is still very much in, um enthralled with wrestling and even still enjoys it uh, you know because having that having decompressed myself it's become very very clear to me just how much wrestling was was dominating my life um and you know i think it would just it would just be it would have so many i think and appreciate put all of about five ten minutes thought into this but it just strikes me as something that would have um you know no end of positive benefits in terms of you know in the bodies of the performers allowing them to go out and find other ventures a life away from wrestling whatever that may look like it gives fans a break from it which i think is only healthy and and, and positive and good and, and will prevent um you know because fans get burnt out with it as well if, if they carry on watching it too much um you know it can it can affect change it's it's not it can it can catalyze a shift towards a version of programming that's friendlier to the streaming age that we live in i think you know it it could unlock a lot of things if it, it'll never happen because they're too again they're too obsessed with this notion of somehow us never having a break and destroying our own bodies is a good thing look how tough uh, look at how tough we are um and you kind of i think you know once you've you've stepped away for a long enough time and have nothing to do with it you start to realise how crazy so much of it seems to be. But you think, you know, with the number of talents they have now, even if even if their broadcasts don't take a break, whether they continue to keep doing that year round, there's no reason why they can't say, right, three months off yeah. and someone else gets to go. And then someone has got three months to actually, you know, try and build some momentum and, and create a bit of competition and, make sure they never have to say to Undertaker, well, look, we're going to re-add next month. And I, I know we said this was the last time last time, but this one will really be... You don't have to keep doing that. Um, and we've seen, like, this in, in this country, um, uh, plan, you probably won't appreciate this as much, but the, the number of sports teams, the, the, and sports generally, that were forced to take time off. And when they came back, there was a huge appetite for them to come and do it um and even though even though there was no fans the atmosphere was weird just the fact that they were able to get on and and get it done and give some people something to do was enough no one wants that with wrestling because there's too fucking much of it yeah i think the Um, thing is to remember is that you know some companies have tried to do a seasons model with pro wrestling it's not something that's never been done right no. so lucha undergrounds worked on a kind of you know on a 
season one season two and people loved it you know it but it was a a product that was i i guess fairly specialist you know and and so a casual fan isn't all that likely to come across it um now with the network i think it's obvious that they've got an opportunity to to do a more seasons based product the problem what's holding them back is these 1990s tv deals that they still have with multiple networks which require them to pump out five hours of tv product every week because that's 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 the thing is that a large amount of their revenue is still coming from a very traditional model and the network only accounts for the rest of their income you know along with merch and whatever else so yes the opportunity is there but until you know until the the, uh, in america seems to be quite slow to catch up with the fact that the way that we watch tv has changed because these companies like usa are still unloading a massive truck of money on vince and saying yes give us a three-hour wrestling show which we know as mature wrestling fans that's been incredibly damaging to the product but i but there's there's also this really weird um attitude in wrestling and it permeates across the whole industry that if you take time off you lose your spot yep and vince is afraid of that just as much as anybody and his attitude towards it means it permeates all the way through and actually if he gets a five-year deal with with fox or whoever it is to 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 play monday night raw eight nine months a year then it will work out but he's worried and this is you know we're going back to the covid thing he was worried if he took wwe off the air they'd lose their spot well i think i think that the bigger worry for them should be if they took wwe wwe off the air at at this point um and again I'd, i'd i'd expand this out that people wouldn't start watching again when it came back quite well, frankly yeah, that's, that's, I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely convinced that the hunger is there and i think a lot of people who do still watch wrestling do it out of habit more than out of passion um, i think i think you have to remember though that there's a huge 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 casual audience who aren't having this conversation and and i i do think that gets lost sometimes in the in the four walls of the internet it's all very well to kind of say oh yeah blah 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 dying industry it's not because like you i i can guarantee you like as a as a school teacher if there's a non-uniform day there's a bunch of kids running around in in wwe merch right every single time so i mean i'm I'm not sort of um i'm not well prepared enough to to sort of dive full on into this debate really but like I said earlier, you know, that it's been a solid downward trend for two decades now, and there's no sign of that changing, which means that at some point it hits the bottom. Um, it's, and quite, it, it's quite a nuanced conversation, though, isn't it? Because obviously we've said on this show many times that debating ratings in a wrestling column is a completely futile experience in not only, I mean, never mind the age of streaming like even in the age of dvr it was a stupid and futile thing to be discussing because it is it just doesn't mean the same thing as it did in 1999 no but if if the if the industry isn't making any moves away from that traditional tv model that you've just been discussing then there's no reason to assume that actually that downward trend like i said isn't just going to carry on to the point where people stop watching altogether 
and ultimately if there's not enough people watching they aren't going to make money i've said it before you know wcw look where they were in 1997 and then look where they were four years five years later in 2002 it can sometimes be a very steep short sharp drop and i'm not saying that they're still getting i'm not not saying that wrestling is not going to be here in five ten even 15 years you know i'm not i'm not doom saying for for the end of the industry anytime soon but what i am saying is if you look way ahead into the future into the long-term future when you start coupling that downward trend that already exists with the way that wrestling has been changing for the worse in the last few years in terms of the way that it operates in terms of uh you know how people perform and and the kind of wrestling then unless there is some kind of fundamental cultural change to the way that the whole industry operates, it's very difficult to imagine that you're going to hit, you know, WrestleMania 70 or 80 uh, and things still be as they are. And in the very best circumstance, it will change so much from what it was that we knew that it will stop being pro wrestling by any sensible definition anyway, if it hasn't already stopped being that when we live in an age where, you know, Randy Orton is setting Bray Wyatt on fire. Yeah, I, so. I, I don't think you can really look at it that way. I, I don't I don't feel that the business of WWE is on a decline, uh, you know, that mirrors the quality of the product in our eyes. And I think yeah, exactly. that, that's that's the issue there. They're making money, you know. Yes, those numbers are going down, down and down, but they're still getting those deals because, you know, TV is going down, 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 down and down. They, they've got the network where they're making money. They've got merch that they're making money. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, if they can do WrestleMania in a stadium that's packed next year, they will pack out a stadium next year. You know, and they'll continue to do that. I don't see that changing anytime soon, yeah, even with us, you know, as as very long term fans, you know, being turned off by it. And, you know, I do honestly feel I'm never more than, you know, and it, it's been a while now and there have been things that have interested me. But, you know, I I. I don't feel I've closed the chapter in my life, you know, whereas I guess you have planned with, with what you're muting and stuff like this. Whereas, you know, I still follow quite a lot of wrestling accounts and, you know, keep an eye on what's going on. And even though I'm not there tuning in at this point, you know, I do feel I'm one interesting thing away from being, you know, Oh, I'll, I'll watch this again for, for a while and see if I, I can get back to where I was before. Yeah, same. And, and, you know, I think the thing is, is that, I mean, I, me and Maz have used this analogy with each other in the past that, you know, both of us are, are big FIFA players. And if you listen to the hardcore, you know, FIFA Ultimate Team community on social media, they will tell you that it's the worst game ever, that EA are just ripping everybody off, that, you know, they're going to stop playing, dead game barely open my console anymore and all this stuff and that's all you will see on social media go and have a look at ea's accounts and see how much money they make from fifa ultimate team it's not it's not it's not a problem for them it's a problem for a small hardcore bunch of people that complain about it and that is ww in a nutshell it just is i I, look I, i well i'm not i mean i would say that i'm not talking about wwe specifically i'm talking about wrestling um but Look, I know when I'm beaten, I'm, I knew I was sort of the minority viewpoint on this one anyway. So, uh, but my, my sort of my last word would be on it, that they can make all the money in the world. They can make more money than they've ever made before, which I think they are doing. But they're also 
you know, there's fewer people watching than ever before and you can make all the money in the world. If there's no one tuning in to watch, you've got nothing to sell. We'll just let you all think about that for a minute and see if it makes sense. <laughs> um, I mean, we've been talking a while. This is what happens when we bring the artist formerly known as Plan back into the fold. <laughs> Um, isn't it more a case of bringing the fold back all together yeah the fo- the fold was always quite talkative look you've you've blocked everything wrestling related how do you know that we haven't been doing this the whole time without you fair point because no matter how hard i might try i can't block the three of you <laughs> <laughs> i mean we're never very good at promoting ourselves but when ima- imagine managing not to not to let all of our founder members know we were still doing it my favorite is though is that we gather a steady a steady five or six likes per week yeah i mean it's yeah i mean it i think wwe could take a leaf out of our book um we've we've talked for long enough i think we could probably sort of talk around in circles over this and it's such a massive topic that you know we probably need to restart the the podcast series properly to fully uh to fully explore it um there was one thing that uh we i feel we, we are duty bound to um at least um acknowledge um and it was something that's happened in the last week or so and it was the very untimely and sad passing of uh luke harper um or Brody lee as uh, some of you may, uh, may remember him as uh i think he was only 41 42 41 yeah it was is uh very very shocking and untimely passing indeed it was one of those like ones as well because it was natural causes you can't even kind of say to yourself you know it's it's like oh you know wrestling self-destructive etc etc it was just another uh, one gone too soon that kind of thing yeah it, but it was it it was something which was apparently you know, an illness that he'd been dealing with for a while that he and his wife had, you know, had, had, had chosen kind of not to tell the world. And then it was just all revealed in, I think it was an Instagram post, wasn't it, from his wife? Yeah, I mean, I th- he was still, I understand he was still competing up until about September, October with AEW. Um, that he just sort of stepped away and there was no, um, there was no fanfare about it. I don't think anybody really had any, any idea any idea no no i guess um, you know you're, you're in that era as well where people not being around is you know because of the whole situation out there it, it's not really something you think twice about is it you know so if someone's not on tv for a couple of months in in the covid era it, it's not really anything you know it, it's pretty much part of the course with, with how wrestling's been over these this last little while so you know I, you know You'd not heard anything. That last thing was he was dropping the the TNT title to uh, to Cody, and I think that was October. You know, and then so clearly you know, he went off to deal with this issue, and then didn't didn't pull through. I mean, it's right. it's, ter- it's terribly sad. I mean, we um, one because of because of the age, and I know that you know some of us are. Are closer to that age than others and yeah, turned that age yesterday <laughs> yeah well it's um but you know as as 
as, as a as someone sort of approaching approaching that age in the next couple of years and uh, someone with sort of a, a family and, and a young child it's it you know it it gets sort of slightly it hits you a little bit harder each time I think um but the other thing for for Luke from uh, Luke Harper he was a massive part of um what we enjoyed um as the show yeah. came to fruition and you know we we often talk about sort of 2013 14 and the uh, the involvement of the shield and the wyatt family and um you know luke harper was a massive part of making the uh, the wyatt family a legitimate threat you know bray wyatt on his own probably wouldn't have have cemented that sort of impression of being a legitimate threat without luke harper and eric rowan by his side sort of almost amplifying the the aggression and the i suppose the fear they were trying to instill in in opponents and you know and i guess in the opponents fans um what what are your guys sort of fondest memories of of luke harper as a performer he was just a, he was an incredibly talented guy wasn't he and and i think that stood out from the word go because you see these two massive guys with bray wyatt when they debut and you kind of think oh here we go it's wwe hiring a couple of massive guys and with rowan that pretty much was the case wasn't it but but with harper like straight away he was getting in there and you could tell that he could really go um and I think I said on more than one occasion on the ponds that um, he he felt like a guy that could be the Kane, you know, that that, that you know, he was a natural successor yeah. to Kane as a guy who came in as a character, but actually was a really, really good wrestler. And I mean, it's only really Vince's reservations about him and his look and about him not having a sudden accent and what the hell else that that meant that he he didn't actually end up having a, a really successful singles career with WWE because he should have done because not only did the Wyatt family give him the platform to, to make a name for himself and, um, and he did have some, some good singles moments against Ziggler in particular stands out. Um, but they just, you know, I guess he had some injury issues and, then they had the stupid bludgeon brothers thing with 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 eric rowan where they reunited them and yeah he just he just sort of was one of those things where the upper management clearly didn't believe in him as much as the fans did and of course we've seen many stories of that down the years with wwe where you can see that a guy's really talented and he deserves that platform but unless you know if vince doesn't want you there you're not gonna be there and that's that's just a you know a really sad part of it but certainly the tag matches that he had as part of the white family and some of the single stuff he did i mean i remember uh saying to, to sam on twitter there was a tv match with daniel bryan around the time of brian's peak and i couldn't it was for around life of christmas time wasn't it yeah i couldn't for life me say when exactly it was what episode of raw it was but it was absolute an absolute barn burner um and i may i may try and find it by scrolling through <laughs> different episodes of raw see if i can find it but but yeah it was it was fantastic and he was a, a a great great wrestler and it seems from talking to people that do follow aw that he did some real career best work 
in that promotion under the Brody Lee character. He had a stable around him and um, yeah, a, a, a brilliant performer who not only was a brilliant performer, but seems to have been loved by absolutely everybody in the business. Like the tributes that we've seen come mm. out for him from other wrestlers. Truthfully, I don't, I, Eddie aside, I can't quite remember this sort of depth of of feeling because he was a nice guy as you know and 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 didn't even have the kind of some of the issues that eddie had but you know that kind of sense of being universally beloved by the locker room is what's really stood out to me and i i read seth rollins's instagram post last night and it took seth a couple of days to put something out because he you know he and he says in this instagram post that he couldn't he couldn't find the words. He was waiting for the perfect words and they wouldn't come. So this is what I remember about him. And it was incredibly moving. And and that goes for all of the, you know, all of the content that I've seen from wrestlers that worked with him. I saw Big E just literally just before we started recording, putting out yet more tweets. I think, I think Big E has, has stopped paying tribute since that very moment. And, and that really does... I think amplify the sadness because he was so clearly loved by his contemporaries. I mean, there's a similar yeah. one with Bray Wyatt and um, Randy Orton's another one who, and Orton's not somebody who probably like posts loads of stuff on social media about wrestling, but like there's a lot of like really moving stuff this week about um, about how he's not just you know not just how he was in the locker room or anything like that, but how he sort of treats his family and his wife and like nobody seems to have a, a bad word to say about him which i suppose makes the, the loss even sadder still i think it, it's very telling that all, all of his peers very few of them have actually mentioned how good a wrestler he was in what they've said it, it didn't even matter you know so they're not just talking about a co-worker who was good at what they did they were talking about a friend a, a guy that was was genuinely loved and you know to touch on what math was saying it, it, it is a shame about wwe i mean any person that watches wwe for any amount of time will have a list as long as your arm of people they believe wwe have you know misused over the years but harper would 100 percent be very near the top of mine and I, I did actually watch just i was watching AEW just after he got in apparently and the faction was pretty much dead on its ass before he was revealed as the as the leader um and I, i've watched that with him in charge and i found them absolutely fascinating uh, it was really interesting it's one of one of the more interesting parts of of AEW for me during my little uh, few weeks watching and he had a big match with ambrose for the title in that and yeah i mean just a really really talented guy you know could have could have been more in WWE, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He still had a very good WWE career. In terms of you know the big moments, obviously those Wyatt Shield matches were great. And you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, I was there with Plan, and we've harped on about this quite a lot over the years when we had that first you know Wyatt Shield showdown you know in manchester on raw and you know that that will live with me forever because that was just such a great night and such a hot moment well we don't want we don't like to leave on uh such a such a morbid note but uh it, it we 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 felt it was it was important that we, we recognize the career of 
of Luke Harper. Uh, chaps, it's time to wrap up. Um, it's been nice to be back. It's uh, uh, I, I don't want to listen to Plan say step away again, but you know, if there's a drinking game for, for this <laughs> show, then we need to uh, we need to add since I stepped away to it, <laughs> <laughs> or since I decompressed. Yeah, <laughs> diving metaphors all over the place. <laughs> We've not had an in the post this week, which I'm, I'm very uh, disappointed about. Okay, this, uh... it's it's in the post that I don't know. I, I'm going to predict that me and Maz end up watching at least something by WrestleMania. I was going to suggest we we do our um we do our predictions for next year because obviously. Mav, you normally predict the Sean Uso thing, and I always predict The Undertaker retiring, but they seem to have come to pass. So did we all get our wish? Because we plans, plans wish that NXT, or wish or, or prediction that NXT would start getting um, flack from smart fans has somewhat come to pass in that I've seen people on social media celebrating when AEW does better than NXT. So I, I think... You know, us stepping away has had dramatic effects in in many senses. <laughs> We've altered the magnetic poles of wrestling by no longer <laughs> podcasting, and yet still gathering likes on our Facebook page on a semi regular basis. Does this mean that we we've jinxed Daniel Bryan's Royal Rumble win here by by recording another show? Yeah, I think oh. so. I think you, you've done for him. I mean, if Triple H is going to gonna win it again, isn't he? God. <laughs> if you listen to Zanman, we we jinxed Daniel Bryan in 2013 as well. So we we did, we did, yes. But oh, um, awesome. obviously, our our continued commitment to podcasting at the time made sure that he <laughs> he won. So our continued yeah. ilk, yeah, ilkness, whatever it is. <laughs> um. So um. We're we're sorry we 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 went away. We're sorry about COVID. We're sorry um, we're sorry about all the things that have gone with it. Um, I, we're not coming back. I mean, we, we, you we said could... you didn't want to end on a dour note. <laughs> I, I was I, look, all I wanted to say to everybody was you're welcome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like it, the it's been lost somewhat um so we're going to step away in a minute um thank you all very much (laughs) (laughs) this phone call um thank you so yeah we're going to step away and decompress thank you all very much for listening we won't be back next friday bye bye